All right, so Colossians 2, and uh, we're in verses uh, 16 and following. Uh, we're going to be dealing with um, uh, with asceticism and with um, uh, worship of other things other than God. And, um, and then uh, uh, some of the warnings against that at, at the end of the... Of the chapter. So let's start with verse 16 and we'll read through the end of it, of chapter 2. It says, Therefore, uh, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with uh, regard to religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things that were to come. Uh, the reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you uh, for the prize. Such a person does not uh, goes into great detail about what he has seen, and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you uh, still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not touch, do not taste. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. All right. So I said last week we were going to talk about the idea of, uh, of asceticism and uh, what that brings out in our lives. We talked, we talked already about the hollow and deceptive philosophies in, uh, in verse eight of Colossae. And this philosophy is appreciated. Uh, it, it, the, the philosophy that appreciated the law but advocated aesthetic practices in hope of conquering the flesh. Uh, this is uh, uh, a setting that is both uh, uh, Jewish and also non-Jewish, pagan uh, in its understanding. Uh, the, um, the idea of asceticism is uh, not new. It's uh, used in a variety of religions, not just in uh, Christianity. And it probably reached a zenith in Christianity during the Middle Ages. Uh, things like hair shirts and, uh, you know, ancient, uh, um, we had ancient um, fathers who uh, would, uh, you know, in, in uh, Egypt during the first three or four centuries, we'd have monks that would go out and live on a uh, on top of a rock someplace, you know, and, and uh, to get away from it all. Uh, we practice, you know, there are types of, of practices of, um, of uh, silence in certain monasteries, you know, uh, where you, uh, you take vows of, uh, of uh, poverty and vows of uh, silence and uh, even vows of what you're going to eat or not eat, all as a means of helping to bring your body into control. And and uh, and therefore hoping to um, uh, to receive uh, perhaps extra mercy from God or to receive uh, a wisdom in an area that maybe you didn't uh, uh, that you were looking for, and so there is a there is a, a right way and there is a, a God is indicates that things like fasting is a, is an important part of your spiritual progress at times. But it does not say that you need to do it in order to achieve his approval. Why, why would we fast if, if we did? For prayer, um, sometimes uh, for prayer, um, just allowing the Holy Spirit to work with you, it, uh, you just become more... Um, uh, less flesh fleshly mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a word um mm -hmm. i i know when i have fasted for a couple of days you you seem you see things clear sometimes 
and and the health side of it is fasting you detox your detox your whole system mm-hmm. um it it it's there's health benefits with fasting on that side of the equation but i know um sometimes you can see issues or s- things that you're in the middle of uh clear you, you clarity is what you're saying clarity yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay uh, any, any other any other thoughts on the positive side? I'm going to give you a, a negative or two as well. Mm. So early early in Christianity, uh, the the idea of fasting uh, was a, a very uh, an important part of the, of the Christian uh, movement. Was, and in fact, um, uh, today uh, those that are part of the Oriental Orthodox, which would include uh, like uh, the Coptics and some of the um, uh, uh, Abyssinians, the um, uh, uh, other groups in the Middle East uh, that are that are, that are Christians, uh, they have probably, in some cases, I think it was the Coptics. I think over like about half of the of the entire uh, calendar is taken up with with um, with fasting. Mm. Um, they're very committed to it. The early church, uh, by the, the, about the time of the fourth century, they would, um, they had gotten very particular in the way that you would, uh, when you could be baptized, you know, where early on in, in, if you remember reading when we studied Acts, you could be baptized basically immediately, you know, what's to keep me from being baptized? Let's do it now. Uh, it became very ritualistic by the time it was um, uh, about third, fourth century, especially. <coughs> so before you would go through a, a you'd be, become a believer, you would have to go through a catechism uh, type uh, process. Uh, when you were then finally said that it was uh, appropriate for you to be baptized, there were only certain times of the year that they would baptize. And that you would have to go through a period of fasting before you were allowed to to be baptized. Well, if you read some of the ancient accounts, uh, people had all kinds of experiences that that uh, they saw visions of things that uh, when you read the type of what they what they deprived themselves of of not only just food but also water. Um, it would appear that perhaps they were hallucinating at times. So uh, fasting is still, you know, it just means, all that means is this. Some of the early church people took it too far. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. And there are times when we do it in order to, gain, as, as Dan mentioned, in order to gain clarity, in order to say the most important thing is not physical food, but what? Spiritual food. And that, you know, the, my spiritual uh, hunger is more important to be satisfied than my physical hunger. Um, sometimes we get so caught up in what we're doing or studying that, you know, maybe we forget to even eat. And that can be a form of, of, of fasting, if you will. Sometimes people fast, take certain things out of their diets. Uh, you know, this is not unusual during the season of Lent. Um, people give up things. Those uh, those in our midst that have uh, problems with um, eating disorders might find that instead of giving up something, it might be better for them to actually in, in take something in. Uh, you know, I've uh, I've got a a daughter that has struggled with eating disorders, and uh, as a result of that, um, uh, for her, fasting uh, becomes a matter of um, doing additional things in order to please God. Her, her, her season of Lent, if you will, is uh, to do more, um, um, to volunteer more in, in areas uh, and to do more things as a way of showing her uh, commitment to the Lord. All right. Uh, what do you think about this? Uh, how, how difficult is it to have someone, you know, this passage where it says, do, don't let anyone judge you. How easy is that? <laughs> Can you make people not judge you? 
Is there is there a formula that you need, you know, that, that, that I'm not aware of that would really help me to stop people from judging me? Good luck. <laughs> so so what is what is Paul saying here when he says, do not let anyone judge you? What's he really saying? Let anyone get in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Stop worrying about what other people are saying. Now, is that easy? No. 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 But that's the point of, that he's saying. He says, you know, no one can control the attitudes or the actions of other people, but our response to them is what we're supposed to uh, control ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to do the control. And yet there are so many times when I let someone get into my head, you know? Oh, yeah. um, I can remember, especially when you're in the ministry, um, people complain all the time. Oh, mm -hmm. man, they've got a whole list of litany of what you need to do in order for them to consider you spiritual, <laughs> which, is, which is not what you're supposed to do. What are you, you know, I hate all you guys that are eating. It's just it's driving me nuts. I keep seeing these and now I got Mike <laughs> eating a donut and it's like, Man, oh man, oh man. I'm gonna have to go out and get donuts today or something or other. <laughs> but the the struggle that we have is in allowing people to control uh what we think of ourselves instead of allowing God to tell us what to think of ourselves. And you've got to be careful about that because it will affect your ministry. It'll affect your daily walk. You know, you're so busy trying to please people, you become a people pleaser versus a God pleaser. I've often said that, you know, if you did everything that everyone wanted you to do, you'd never be able to do anything. Because some, sometimes I get diametrically opposed views of what I should do from people. One person says, you ought to do this. Another person says, no, you should never do that. Because, you know, and, and they both of them use scripture, obviously, at times to prove their point. And sometimes they use scripture incorrectly, but anyhow, that's a whole other story. So don't let people get into your head, basically, is what we're saying, Paul's saying here. All right. Um, what's this idea of new moons and, and uh, all this stuff? Uh, Sabbath day, new moon celebration. Well, they always, um, the Jewish calendar, they always had the temple open on new moons and the yep. Sabbath days. Yep. Why is that? Fact, I'm not sure. I know, I know on the, supposedly in the, when Christ comes back, they're going to still celebrate those two holidays. The temple's going to be open on the new moon and the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what's the Sabbath day for? Rest. 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 Especially so we can enjoy God. Often we take rest to be a cessation from work, but it's really about enjoying time with God. Which I never understood. You know, as a kid, my parents when I was in, before elementary and early into elementary, the concept of, um, of a Sabbath on a, on a Sunday, which by the way is not taught in the scripture, um, but it was, uh, uh, you know, it was the idea of not doing anything ever on, on Sunday. And, uh, and so to the point of not playing and not, you know, watching, sometimes it was like, you don't, you couldn't watch TV, you couldn't do this, there was a whole bunch of things you couldn't do. And uh, is that what, uh, is that what the Sabbath is supposed to be? Now, most of the festivals and um, the Sabbath were mostly meals and there was like a fellowship. It's mostly just yeah. fellowship. Which is really good if you're a Baptist, because we used to practice potluck a lot. We knew how to. We knew how to. We knew how to feast. I don't ever tell you this, but one of my one of my dad's best friends when I was growing up is in, in our church. 
we would have sab we would have uh, uh, potlucks and you had to bring your own uh, plates the the church did, at that time didn't have uh, dinnerware and for whatever reason paper plates weren't a big deal back in the back in those days so he would come and he would literally bring a platter instead of a plate it was a huge platter he would bring so he could go through the line and could load up his plate with food uh, he was a big boy and he was a he was a carpenter trade, worked for one of the, the uh, automotive companies, but he was uh, he was basically a carpenter is what he was. He was pretty good at it, but you know, it was just kind of funny. I always knew that uh, Mr. Binkley was going to come with his, pl his platter instead of a, a, a dinner plate. I'd say to my mom, why can't I bring a dinner, uh, a platter, you know? <laughs> oh, All right. So, go ahead. No, I was just going to, you know, because of my uh, Mennonite background, I guess, kind of sort of, well, we we could do nothing on Sunday when we went up there. But since I was a heathen Catholic, I came up a lot. Good for you, you heathen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> so some of the things that the feast, the new moons, yeah. and the Sabbaths were, were designed for for the Jewish people was it helped to establish them uh, a national and ethnic consciousness that uh, represented the distinctiveness of being a Jew. Um, I'm sure that there were also, there were theological and cultural issues. And in fact, some of the laws that they had, now that we look at them, especially now that we know more about medicine, we're going, oh, there's probably a good reason not to do some of the things they were told not to do. You know, eating a pig, uh, especially unless it's, you know, you control his diet would not be a good thing to eat in certain countries. I mean, I, when I, what I saw a pig eat in, in India, there's no way in the world I'd want to have pork chops in India. Just really want to do it. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the thing is that, uh, we look at some of those r things that, that God said, and it was done for health reasons, as well as for setting them aside from other, uh, peoples and nations around them that, that would participate in things that would, uh, that would help to take the Israelites away from God. But it says asceticism uh it became uh, a portion of of jewishness in certain circles uh the essenes were uh, in, in to a, sen a sense were ascetics we have the monks in both uh, uh catholic and um, uh orthodox tradition that they're still out there i mean they have some beautiful monasteries they do some amazing things and sometimes it's it's good to set aside certain things for a season but it's hard to know how you can accomplish a lot for God when that's all you do is you separate yourself from the world totally. Because how do we affect the world if we're not in the world? Just a question. And no one answers. That's amazing. How about that? All right, hey, so I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, new moon. Moon, wasn't that uh, at times the... Um, for Israel, rejuvenating Israel, uh, it was the moon, and every time the festival of the new moon, it was to, um, uh, I won't say born again, but re, um, recommit yourself to the, the cause. Good question. I mean, I mean, I have a couple of passages here in, uh, in Numbers that talk about it. Let's see if it gives us a little better insight, shall we? Uh, numbers chapter 10 for those of you who have a scripture doesn't have to do with the calendar yeah it does yeah that's true too numbers 10 10 says also at your times of rejoicing your appointed feasts the new moon festivals you are to sound the trumpet over your burnt offerings and fellowship offerings doesn't really say a lot other than the fact that there is a time to have the new moon let's see there's another one another passage here in numbers 28 verse 11 
Uh, it just says, on the first of every month, present to the Lord a burnt offering of two young bulls, one ram, seven male lambs a year old, and all will, all without defect. Uh, the new moon was at the beginning of every month. Remember, what calendar, yeah. what calendar did the uh, Israelites use? Their calendar. What's that? Hebrew calendar. Hebrew calendar. Which was based on what? The, the lunar calendar. Lunar calendar, yeah. 30 days. 30 days. Everything is based on a lunar calendar. That's why... Their calendar is actually 30 day months. You have to push an extra month. And, right. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Hey, Larry, good to see you, bud. Good morning. Sorry, I'm a little late. That's okay. So there is a sense to which once a, a month, they, they would celebrate the new moon, celebrate the beginning of the month. And then we had the feasts and the Sabbaths. And Paul is telling the, the Colossian Christians to not come under those regulations. He says basically that it appears spiritual to do these things. But spiritual life is a matter of a relationship with Christ and a heart that's committed to him, not to outward appearances. I was just reading, Val, that uh, during that festival, uh, fasting and mourning were not allowed. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, so what'd you do? Party! Party! Party. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, it's like the Jubilee every 50 years, right? You every 50 years, <laughs> which they rarely did. But yeah, that was commanded. Which, by the way, is one of the reasons why I what? Why they ended up going into captivity for seven Because years. of that. Because of the, <laughs> they never let the they, land rest. So they guess, were. guess what God decided to do? Give the land a rest. Right. They're partying too much at the end. <laughs> All right. So he goes on in verse 17 here to say some interesting things. He says, these things, all this stuff was a shadow of things that were not reality. It was all shadow. It, 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 you could say that it vaguely resembled the, the truth of, of the New Testament, but as a shadow is a shadow more significant than reality? No. You say it is more. It is it's more less. significant. So it's not right. It's less significant <laughs> than a, than a, than reality. How about is a shadow? Is a shadow permanent? No. No. The shadow knows. The shadow knows. Is a shadow <laughs> inferior to reality? Let me let me give you a hint. <laughs> yes, it's inferior. So what we have here is we have shadows that are less than significant to the reality of Christ. They're temporary. They're not permanent, which Christ and, and the, what he's revealed to us in the New Testament is reality and is permanent. And it is, uh, it is inferior. And here's another thought. A shadow, at least from a scriptural perspective, is anticipatory of what will come. Remember when we were studying Hebrews, how we talked about the fact that there is a real temple that's yeah. in heaven? Yeah. And it's a shadow. The, the, the temple here on earth was nothing more than a foreshadowing of what the, the real temple was? Yep. Well, the other thing, the other thing I noticed about the thing about a shadow is it only exists if there's light. Yeah. So what is that? What, what, what can we take away from that? Well, Christ is the light and, you know, without, without the light, we can't exist even as shadows of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. It's Go ahead. That was good. Well, I, you know, it, it, what what does it say about shadows in, in, in heaven? There is none. There is none. Why? Because of the light. Yeah. The light permeates everything. Yeah. The light's everywhere. And just, uh, just for a clarification, what or who is the light? Father. <laughs> yeah. 
don't need the sun anymore. I mean the the, the literally the I, sun. I mean the S U N right versus the S O N. Yeah, yeah. Just, just thought we'd clarify that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't need Christ anymore. Yeah, I just said. No, I was wondering where Dan was going with that one. <laughs> It'll take me a while to get there. You, you heretic, you. I, I, I love the fact that I've seen some of your eyes the first few times I said this, but you do know that 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 uh, heaven will be populated with heretics, right? You do know that. Yeah. Because you're going to be there, and I'm going to be there, and there's no way that we got everything of all of theology correct we're going to get there and all you have to do in order to be a heretic is be wrong in one area of your theology and i'm pretty sure that you know with the exception of giuseppe none of us is going to get our theology right <laughs> right g oh yes yeah. definitely <laughs> so christianity completes it fulfills it corresponds to all matters of shadow. It, the reality is Christ. The shadows all should point to Christ. The, the best suggestion that we have here is that the idea that, um, uh, that reality is found in Christ. All right. Are we ready to flee? To me, Avili says the substance is of Christ. Yeah. So what's that mean? Substance. Something that you can see, touch. Feel right. Yeah. 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 And one, some passages say it's the body of Christ, which is. Well, impl implies, well, Im Im implies that uh, moon, Sabbath and things, these are passing things that no one can touch. They are, uh, an eater, if you will, when mm -hmm. Christ is a, a substance. Christ was seen, Christ was there, Christ suffered, Christ, and you in Christ, it's of the sub same substance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <coughs> All right, let's go on to verse 18. Do not let anyone uh, who delights in false humility and worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Don't let anyone disqualify you. In, in the Greek, the idea is uh, disqualify uh, means to umpire or award a prize. Think about that. In, in other words, some commentators say that to understand the words, it means don't let it put you under, under judgment. Uh, Paul's point seems to be uh, that if you follow that kind of teaching, it leads to a loss of joy, a loss of spiritual benefits of relationship to Christ who is the head of the body. And he goes on to say that it's, it's a serious offense, and it, it, uh, it could have, uh, it could lead to spiritual disqualification. Now, let me ask you this. Does that mean that if you're, if you're disqualified, does that mean that you've lost your salvation? Does disqualification mean a loss of salvation, or does it simply mean you're disqualified from that particular por portion of the race or the game? I don't believe you lose your salvation, so. Well, the, the, you know, there are some that say we could. But I think what you've got here is you've got to realize that, uh, that uh, uh, the, the danger here is in the game is losing the prize. What I would take from this particular passage is that you might be disqualified from whatever the reward was. So let's say that you were going for a crown. Uh, Fire will not be good, huh? You, you would you would lose your your, your reward, but you wouldn't lose the fact that you were part of the team. You're disqualified from the event. It's like when you uh, you test for drugs, right? And and you're uh, and you're uh, uh, in one of the sports. Yeah. You're disqualified from that event. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily disqualified from ever participating again. That's what I would take from this particular passage. There are other passages that you could make a, a much stronger argument to say that you could lose your salvation. Uh, 
again, I, that's not where my particular wheelhouse, but that's you know, when we get to heaven, we'll figure out who's saved and who isn't, by the way. <laughs> and we're going to be really surprised when we get there and go, he made it? How did he make it? You know, some of you are thinking of that, I'm sure, about me too at times. Yeah. I plan to be there to, to welcome you all. <laughs> to introduce you to my introduce you to my new my new job as pothole fixer <laughs> in heaven. All right, so there there's a philosophy here that seems to be interesting that says it, it this philosophy delights in false humility and the worship of angels. It goes into great detail about what this person has seen. Uh, his unspiritual mind puffs him up and he has lost connection to the head of the body. It, I would say the first three speak specifically about, about false teachers. You know, it's, it's that, uh, it's that humble bragging that always works out so well. None of you have ever done that, right? <laughs> Oh man, I had it so hard today. You know, I was out on the I was out on the gun range and I I hit seventy percent. It was tough, man. It was tough doing it. What did you just do? <laughs> brag about the fact you made seventy percent? You know, shooting. Oh, it was really tough. I was out on the golf course today, and you know, for those, that first nine, I shot a whatever. If it was if I shot if 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 it was me, you'd take whatever whatever the normal score is for eighteen. That would be my score for for nine. Maybe, and that's probably even low. My score would be much higher than. If 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 golf was like basketball, I would win in the number of strokes. But anyway, all right. So the idea here, these characteristics. Uh, they explain that uh, uh, they, they tempt to say that spiritual rigors is what causes a higher form of worship. And, and these, you know, um, these false teachers said that the more that you, that you practice things incorrectly, the, the better your worship will be, the more deeper your worship will be, the higher form your worship will take. Um, this is not what God says. Worship of angels occupied a central place in these false teachers' appeal. Uh, Rosa. Uh, I <laughs> heard birds chirping. Oh, yeah. Why do birds suddenly appear? <laughs> we didn't get your whatever you said. Uh, well, I just said that, and I don't know what I said. What did I say? I, I said that the, the worship oh, no. of angels, I have an unstable connection. Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. You're good. So it says the worship of angels occupied a central place in false teachers' appeal. The idea of worshiping angels, uh, whether it was objective worship given to angels or subjective worship with angels, uh, the most likely is that it would be the context of uh, directed, this worship is directed towards angels, which is just a step or two down from worshiping saints. Oh, yeah. Or Mary. Or Mary. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it, again, it starts off with a great idea. And then it, it devolves down to something that's, that's going to be wrong uh, scripturally. It's, it makes sense to say, you know what, I've got a, I want the entire church, you know, you, you, have you ever wondered why, like the fireplace there, gee, nice. uh, have you ever wondered why old churches had cemeteries around them? Why would you bury a body by the church? People die. Yeah, but why, why, why choose the church? Why choose the church to, to bury people at? Closest to God. That way the pastor didn't lose anyone from the congregation. <laughs> yeah, he still always had a full crowd when he had to preach, right? Just go out. No, the idea is very, is very simple. The idea is that, that we are, I lost you here. 
There we go. Okay. Um, the idea is that the family, you're still part of the family. Uh, you're still part of the, the family of, of God, the, the, the local body. You're part of the body. So we're going to keep the body close, right? Yeah. We're not going to separate them. That's, that's the original thought. Now, oh, wow. from that comes the idea that if you're all part of the family, and Hebrews uh, 12 talks about a great body of witnesses. Right. Some people take that to mean that it's those that have gone before us into heaven. Yeah. So when you share a prayer request, do you want the entire body to pray for you? Yeah, sure you do. You want you want the whole church to pray for you if you can, right? So why wouldn't you share it with those who have gone before and yeah. ask them to pray about it as well? Um, so that's your first step. What's the next step? Well, instead of just praying to them, praying, uh, asking them to pray for you, you start praying to them to yeah. pray for you, right? Well, well, they, and they pray for them after they're dead. Yeah. It's, is what you're hoping. And, and, and then okay. and then you go a step further. Go, well, maybe they're the ones that are doing it for me. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So now I'm going to start praying to them. Yeah. yeah it, you know, it, does, it doesn't start off bad. It's a great idea. It's a great philosophy. It's a, it's a great practice, if you will. But it can devolve very quickly if you're not Especially. careful with your theology. <clears throat> Especially if there's a, uh, a brother or a sister that was so strong in their faith and they literally walk down <clears> and you just, you know, if I can only be like him or her. And, you know, next thing you know, you're caught up with that. And <laughs> well, there's actually, there's actually a, a church, I won't name the church, but it's a large church uh, here in America that practices a, that kind of concept, but really interestingly, you know, the idea of Elijah and Elisha right. and, you know, taking on the mantle of the prophet. Yeah. There, there are, there is a church that practices that if there's somebody who has died uh, and their mantle was not taken up, or maybe not all of their mantle was taken up, you can assume their mantle. Hmm. And they they practice it by going to the the grave of that person and if possible uh laying on the grave and asking for God to give them that mantle. Wow. Interesting, hmm. isn't it? Yeah, really. Yeah. And then they can go back to Elijah and all yeah, exactly. Yeah, they go back to Elijah, the, the you know, the mantle, you drop he drops yeah. the mantle when he's leaving, and you know, now I have a double portion of your spirit and you know, I don't know. It right. gets it gets really screwy real fast. Wow! Yeah. I don't see that in scripture. I'm not going to say they're not believers. I'm just going to say I think they're misinformed on their teaching because I don't see that anywhere in scripture. But it does happen, and that's one of those things that you can get caught up in. Someone could be teaching you about this, and you go, "Oh yeah, I want that," and so I'm going to go lay on, I don't know, Billy Sunday's grave or D.L. Moody or or how about how about we go and and go over to, to uh, uh, Billy Graham's grave? Wouldn't I like to have the power of Billy Graham to preach? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, I know someone that actually went to to uh, Charles Spurgeon's grave and wanted to lay on it. Wow. So catch, you know, really? I'd love to be able to preach like Paul, like Charles Spurgeon. But I don't have that, you know, God's not giving me that that talent <laughs> or that ability or maybe that gift, as the case may be. All right. You smoke cigars? Yes, I, and I do it like I do everything. I do it to the glory of God. All right, there you go. That's a good start. Yep. So he, he talks about the fact that the unspiritual mind puffs him up into idle notions. Uh, what happens with this? Does this kind of remind you of what... First Corinthians 13 talks about. Yeah. You get puffed up. Yeah. Love doesn't get puffed up. Yeah, love doesn't get puffed up. It's one of the problems that you have with teaching uh, in a school situation is you teach for no the sake of knowledge. 
And if all you do is learn knowledge scripturally, you can become puffed up because you know a lot. But the question is, how are you applying it? And are you applying it? And if you never apply it, if all you know is a a series of terms and you can recite them, that doesn't do you any good. How are you doing with the, with the gifts of the, of the spirit? Are you using them? Are you using the fruits of the spirit? And fruit is not just the fruit that's mentioned there uh, in Galatians. Fruit is inclusive of, oh, I don't know, soul winning, and giving, and mm-hmm. a lot of the things that we call spiritual sacrifices are also fruit, fruit of our, of our lives. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go on. Let's flee. Let's go to verse 19. He, lo- he has lost his connection with the head from whom the whole body is supported and held together by the ligaments, sinews, and grows as God causes it to grow. So the final characteristic, if you will, of this deceptive philosophy is that you've lost the head of the the body. You are no longer connected to your spiritual source of life. If you don't stay connected to the vine, what happens? You die. Yeah. You wither and die. How do you get back to nutrients? You have to be reconnected to the body, reconnected to the head specifically. The, well, there is the, there is that the, the only thing left is the doings, rather than having the connection in order to do the doings. Okay. And so uh, all the increase is not up to God, but it's up to you. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's easy, isn't it, for us to get so busy doing for God that we're not really connected to him. Yeah. Yeah. We were asked the ones, uh, you have to do so many things in a month in order to satisfy your constituency in the United States when we were overseas. What do you mean I have to do? I can do stuff. I can try to do stuff. I cannot take a, oh, I have to have so many special events in a month in order to satisfy your own um, assistance, you know. So... Yeah, it, Sometime. It, it's a dangerous thing, and, and I think that um, it's a dangerous thing when you start putting up, it's both dangerous and also, I think, important to have. It's important to have, to have expectations of those that, are, that, you're, that you're providing funds for as missionaries. It's, it's, it's good to have them to know what they're doing. I think the bigger thing would be to go over and visit Giuseppe and yeah. see if he's actually doing anything. Yeah, huh. and and then you know, and in fact, the first church that I ever ran into that did this, I was I was blown away. Now I think God protected me because there was a church that had uh, had other issues, but I was candidating at this church years ago, uh, and f- learned that they would they wouldn't support a missionary unless they could support him for a minimum of fifty percent. And then when they would come home on furlough. Uh, they put them up at the church for however much of their of the percentage of their of the year that they actually provided in funds for. So they, when it came to, uh, they have mission home that, okay, so, you know, Joe Smith was coming home from the mission field for three years and we supported him for a hundred percent for, uh, you know, while he was on, over on the field. So when he came home, he stayed in the mission home for a whole year and he was on staff wow. at the church. Right. didn't have to go anywhere didn't have to go and see all of his supporters because the church supported him mm. right there he got a chance to actually almost rest not quite but kind of mm. more so than traveling around from place to place trying to make sure all your constituents are happy with the funding that they're giving you happy <laughs> yeah make everybody happy I want to be happy too yeah yeah, I thought it was great. In fact, they, they would send they would send either a, a staff member or an elder to visit with them in the in the in the on the field and say, hey, what's going on? What do, what do we need to pray for you for? How can we help you? How can we better understand what you're doing? What your needs are? 
what a great idea. Yeah. Versus making him fill out a form. And how many forms do you have to fill? Did you used to have to fill out, Giuseppe? Yeah, quite a few. Quite a few. Yeah. You spend more time filling out forms. You probably had time to to do ministry at times. All right. It felt like that. And that's the that's the, the struggle we run into. So anyhow, God says, don't allow. Don't be disconnected from the head. Don't you realize that God wants you to be connected to the head. And the more that you're connected to the head, the more what? Well, the body is healthy. The body is healthy. And the more you'll grow. Yeah. All right. How are we doing time-wise here? Oh, man. So I'm not going to get to the last four oh. verses here. That's okay. okay. Four minutes, Four verses. My translation says knit together by joints and ligament. Yeah. Knit together, uh, it's it's something, uh, how do you say it, uh, of a strong connection. Mm -hmm. I've seen people knitting and it's so, it's so intricate, if you want to take it apart, you have to make a cut. You know, mm -hmm. and the beauty of the, to be knit together, it's a, the growth is almost automatically. What happens when you knit something together? Is it stronger than if it's <clears throat> by itself, a strand by itself? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's even biblical. Uh, a cord of three strands is much stronger than a single. Yeah. Three cords, right? Yeah. So the more that we're knit together, the more the stronger yeah. the body will be. Disconnect from the, the body, disconnect from the sinews and the tendons and the bones. Suddenly you become weak. Oh, yeah. Uh, everything has to do with God anyway. An increase that it is from God. He eliminates my vainly thinking that I can do it. So how do we survive in a world that's filled with hostile forces that are trying to attack us as, as believers? How do we survive that? We already mentioned it. Yeah. Go ahead, Dan. <clears throat> How do we survive constantly in prayer? I find myself yeah. uh, frustrated at times worrying about how I'm being judged for things I'm doing and helping, let's say, someone or the situation. And, um, and then I get mad about something inside, not outwardly. It's always inwardly. And then I find when I go back into prayer, uh, uh, the peace comes over me. Um, most, and uh, uh, that's what we need to do when we're so about how we're being just world or by closest family members or whatever the situation is. Yeah, what, to, what, that's good. What else? On, we have to put on every piece of God's armor. Yeah, that's good too. By the way, one of the pieces of God's armor is prayer. Mm -hmm. yeah. Look at uh, Ephesians. Isn't it Ephesians? Let's see. Where is it at? Yeah. Chapter 6. Uh, yeah, chapter 6. And uh, it says, uh, put on the full armor. And then he goes on to stand firm. And then look at verse uh, verse 17 says, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And what's it say in verse 18? Praying always. Yeah. And prayer in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So prayer is part of that is, is one of the, is one of the weapons that we use. So yeah, Dan, right. Tom just added some more to it. Anything else? Uh, back back up to verse 16 yep. in Ephesians. It says, uh, taking up the shield of faith with, with which you will be able to extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Okay. And expand on that. 
Uh, it's just it's just faith. But uh, you know, uh, okay. my idea, you know, just follow the shepherd and try to tune out the static. Yeah. Good. Any other thoughts? It's funny when I'm dealing with issues um, that we all, I know all of us obviously have issues at times. And I find that when I open the word, faith comes by hearing, hearing comes by word of God. It, it's just so true. And I can open it up and literally that scripture or two is speaking to me, you know, differently than uh, before. Uh, if, if I've read it several times and it's kind of what's going on in your life and God trying to help you through that. And it, the, the word of God just truly speaks to you. This written Bible, we are fortunate and blessed to have it and cursed also by it. because <laughs> It's there. And sometimes we're frustrated and we're using our own pride to get things done and not God's way. Yeah. Yeah. At least Good. me. I'm right there with you, brother. I, I might I might even be leading the way occasionally with that. All right. Any other closing thoughts? Uh, just see. one one thing. In Ephesians six, so all this armor. Yeah. That, you know, if it, it, there's a soldier actually just doesn't just put all his armor on and do nothing. <laughs> He's He's like called into an actual battle. Like you, you had talked about, actually, it's more than just learning. It's, it's learning and doing. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. You guys are all getting gold stars today. I'm just saying. All right. Good job. Good job. We will finish up chapter. <laughs> I keep saying this. We're going to finish up chapter two next week. Okay. And we'll try to make some applications to the, the whole of it. Daryl, you taking off? Okay, bud. All right. Val, do you have all your podcasts all up to date? No, I do not, but I need to do it this week. Because I looked, you, have, you basically had through Colossians 1. Yeah, I need to do Colossians 2. I've, they're all just recorded. Ask. Yeah, no, I just asked them. Because I looked to see if I could see what you guys talked about last week. I, I can put it up. I just have. Well, we, you know. we